1: and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I am bang on time for a live stream. But that caught some of you out, didn't it? Yeah, I saw the comments in the live chat. Come on, Harry, please be on time. Come on, Harry, make sure you're watching the time. Well, I was sitting right here and I was watching the time. And that is why we are live bang on time here on the Chronicles of Aguna. What are we going to be discussing this evening? We're going to be talking you through the latest Arsenal-related transfer reports. There is lots to get into today. We're going to be talking Yuri Tielemans. We're going to be talking Nicolas Pepe, Lucas Paqueta. We're going to be talking Ainsley, Maitland, Niles, Pedro Neto. So, so much to get into. But before we do that, if you wouldn't mind, please do leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. And if you're listening to us via the audio platforms, then please do leave us a review as well. We'd be most, most grateful. Um, Also, just before... Uh, we get right into the thick of things and I'd probably forget. Uh, just want to quickly remind you guys that the latest episode of my Italian football podcast, Simply Seria, is now available on all major podcast stores. The link is in the description below and I'd love it if you'd check it out and I'd love it if you'd subscribe to that as well. Okay, let's get into the latest Arsenal news and let's start off with the future of Nicolas Pepe, who's been heavily linked with a loan move back to France before the window closes. We've heard that Nice are leading the race to sign Nicolas Pepe. We've heard that Nice have been interested for quite a while. We also heard today that Leicester City had actually tried at the last minute to try and make something happen with regards to a potential loan deal. And they were willing to pay all of his wages, according to reports coming out of France. But instead, Nicolas Pepe has opted to return back. Uh, to Ligue and he will join Nice. An agreement has been reached between Arsenal and the French outfit for that move to happen. There is no option to buy clause. There is no obligation to buy clause. It is a simple loan deal. However, according to Fabrizio Romano, Nicolas Pepe has had to reduce his salary by quite a bit in order to facilitate this. He's desperate to get back to, getting back to playing football. Regularly, he's desperate to get his career back on track after a lot of expectation and then ultimately not being able to deliver on that. A lot of that expectation was a consequence of his crazy price. I think we can all agree now, looking back on it, that it was a crazy amount of money to pay for Nicolas Pepe. But he just wants to get back to doing what he does best, and that is influencing games in the final third, making things happen. He wants to be playing the game with a smile on his face once more. And he's going back to a league in which we know he can thrive a league in which we know he feels comfortable and whatever happens from here on in with Nicolas pepe whether we get some money for him next summer or we don't get a penny i genuinely do from the bottom of my heart wish him all the best and hope that he does rediscover that form that earned him the move to arsenal in the first place and he can get back to doing as i say what Nicolas Pepe does best. It's just one of those unfortunate things. We should have never paid 72 million pounds for him. If we'd have paid 25, 30 million pounds for him, which is probably about right based on what we've seen of him, then the level of expectation would have been high, but nowhere near as high as it was. And therefore the standards we'd have judged him against would have been a lot lower and maybe he'd have been appreciated a little bit more. I don't know. But anyway, Nicolas Pepe is closing in on that move to Nice. But what does that mean for Arsenal? Well, according to some reports, that move being done, it's agreed but not totally completed yet. That move being done will apparently spark Arsenal into action when it comes to their pursuit of Wolverhampton Wanderers winger Pedro Neto. Heavily linked with the club over the past few days, he himself has said he has been flattered by the interest, Bruno Large pretended that he didn't know anything about it in an interview that he gave uh, yesterday post Wolves's Carabao Cup fixture. So, yeah, you know, the interest is there, but we know that no bid has gone in as of yet. And as many have reported, it seems that any move for a winger between now and the window slamming shut is contingent on Arsenal getting Nicolas Pepe out of the door, which they are edging closer to completing. So Nicolas Pepe on his way to Nice on a single, uh, single, a standard loan deal, there is no loan. Uh, there is no option to buy a clause. There is no obligation to buy a clause. He will join Nice until the end of the season on loan. But going back to Neto, I, I like the player. I do, and I know a lot of people have taken me the wrong way over the past few days when I've highlighted my concerns around this transfer and around ultimately what it would cost. And I, and, and I still feel like, yeah, it would be nice, but I still feel like Arsenal are not going to go and pump 50 million pounds, 45 million pounds, whatever it's going to take to get him out of Wolverhampton Wanderers into a player who probably isn't going to start week in, week out. Now, I know a lot of people are of the opinion that he would start, that he is good enough to start, that he would come into the squad and instantly compete for a place. And could displace even one of Bukayo Saka, or Gabriel Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe is in the mix as well. I just don't see it. I don't see Mikel Arteta looking at Bukayo Saka and saying, you are not my first choice anymore. I don't see him dropping Gabriel Martinelli, given the form he's in. You need competition. You need players that can come in and can, you know, really push people and can give you alternative options, maybe slightly different options in terms of their skill set. But I just don't know that right now, spending 40, 45, 50 million pounds, whatever it's going to take to bring in a winger is what Arsenal should be doing. If a good opportunity comes along, if a good opportunity comes along, you you bite at it, you take it. Is Pedro Neto at 50 million pounds, which is, and people will say, why do you keep referring back to that 50 million pound price tag? Because that is what a lot of the reports are suggesting Wolves will be looking for. So, £50 million is a hell of a lot of money, man. It really, really is. And I don't know that Arsenal can really justify doing that, given I still think we're a little bit short of quality, not numbers, but quality in that midfield area. But that's maybe my opinion that is partly um, influenced by the fact that I really do have concerns about what happens in the event Thomas Partey becomes unavailable. So no movement as of yet on Pedro Neto, nothing official anyway, but we've been told all along that the signing of a winger, a wide forward, whatever you want to call them, is contingent on Pepe moving out. And I guess that means the big news today is that uh, Nicolas Pepe is closing in on that move away. That is getting closer and probably will be completed in the coming days. But remember, there's not an awful lot of time left in this transfer window. I'd imagine that personal terms wouldn't be an issue with Pedro Neto. We're going to talk about Yuri Tielemans in a bit, another player that Arsenal uh, are still being linked with and have been linked with throughout the duration of this summer, who, again, I don't think personal terms would be an issue with. But it's about breaking Wolves' resolve. Now, Wolves have brought in some players this summer, some really good players, I think, in Gonzalo Guedes and Mateus Nunez in midfield, does that mean that they can part ways with Pedro Neto? Was that always part of the plan? Was that always a possibility? Is that why they were able to go and spend what they did on Mateus Nunez, for example? Or are they looking at it and thinking, well, we've done some of the work in getting those players in to now let Pedro Neto go would be a step back. And I spoke to you guys yesterday about how I think the environment for Pedro Neto at Wolves is ideal. It's perfect. It's perfect. You know, it's it's one in which he'll feel very comfortable. And at 22 years of age, he might not necessarily be in a rush to making that move. He might think that he can make it two, three years down the line, a year down the line, and feel like the most important thing for him is to be playing football week in, week out, and, and, and having the opportunity to strut his stuff in the Premier League. And I don't know that at Arsenal at this moment in time, Pedro Neto will be allowed to do that week in, week out. And that has to play a part in this, in the player's mind if he's thinking about joining Arsenal, but also in the club's mind when it comes down to whether or not they can justify spending 40, 45, 50 million pounds. I know people say, stop being an accountant, stop worrying about the finances. Why do you care what he costs? But the fact is, that the reason this rebuild that Arsenal has taken much longer than any of us would have liked is because we did spend money frivolous, frivolously. I can't even speak this even. We did spend money frivolously on poor players. We overpaid for poor players and we got stuck with them. And it's taken us the best part of three years nearly to get those guys out of the door and start recruiting in a smarter way, in a more effective way, in a more efficient way, in a way that will help us on the pitch, close the gap on the size that we want to be competing with. So when people say to me, why do you care about the money? It's not that I care about how it impacts the bank account per se. It's that I care about the impact that it has on our ability to then go and strengthen when we need to, and our ability to move players on later down the line. For example, how many times have people called Arsenal a soft touch in the transfer market? you know, and and not just when it comes to buying players, but when it comes to selling players as well. We've had to dig our heels in this summer with a few players to to try and kind of get rid of that, that stigma around Arsenal, that Arsenal are that club that you can just go and you can have a look at their players, you can strike a deal that sees you taking them on loan without really making any financial commitment. In fact, you can take some of their players on loan and they'll even bloody pay the wages for you. That is the reputation Arsenal have. And the only way you get past that is to recruit well, but to also dig your heels in at times and stick to your guns, even if at times it feels like you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. Hector Bellerin is a great example of that. We know he wants to go. We know he doesn't want to be at Arsenal. We know he sees his future in Spain. Arsenal could have easily terminated his contract up until now. And to be honest, I thought they were going to. Maybe they still will, but they've left it right to the end of the window because they don't want to be seen as pushovers. We've had so many other players in a similar boat, in a similar situation that we've eventually backed down. And then we've given ourselves this reputation of being a soft touch. When we go in to buy players, people think that they can rip us off. Some teams don't take us seriously. Some players don't take us seriously because maybe they think the opposite, that we won't go that extra mile. The damage that was done to Arsenal because of the way we operated, et cetera, et cetera, over the years is so deep running that it's going to take time to turn it around. And when I talk about it, being with regards to selling players, also buying players. I'll circle it back to the Pedro Neto situation to give you some context and as to why I'm saying this and as to why I think that message is important is because if Arsenal don't value him anywhere near 50 million pounds, then we shouldn't pay anywhere near 50 million pounds. This is not Rafinha, right? We were linked with Rafinha earlier on in the window and Rafinha was somebody that you'd seen do it in the Premier League, be very influential, provide outputs, decide games with a struggling side in the division at times last season. And in the season prior, he was very effective too. Pedro Neto hasn't reached that level yet. He hasn't reached that Rafinha level. He hasn't reached that Wilfred Zaha level, you could argue. Not in the Premier League anyway. He's 22. Maybe he still needs a bit more time. But the point I'm trying to make is that Wolves' is positioning on this and Price on this is based on potential. And I get that. And it is something you have to factor in. And obviously we want to buy potential. Obviously we want to buy players that we think can go on to the next level and we want to keep improving, but also with one eye on the future and building for that and making signings that we can then protect the value of, that we can gain value on and potentially sell or have success with. That That's where Arsenal want to be. But if you don't think that Pedro Neto is worth 50 million pounds, and I would argue that he's not, then you don't back down. You don't wilt and you don't show yourselves to be a soft touch. There's a fine balance, though, because if you do, if you do really believe in the player and you do it, then the narrative will be look at Arsenal acting like a big club. Wanted this player, went and got it done. We did it with Ben White. Right. We didn't want to pay 50 million pounds for Ben White. So we went in lower, we went in lower. And when it became apparent that we weren't going to get the deal done for anything less than that, because of how convinced we were that he was the right man, because of how convinced Arteta, Edu and co were that Ben White was the right man, they just went, F it, let's do it. And they did it. And he's now an Arsenal player. There's a fine line between showing yourselves to be frivolous spenders and pushovers in terms of being bullied into paying prices that are just not fair and just do not reflect the market value of a player. And, you know, showing yourself to be a big club, a big, powerful force, and being able to get the people that you want and show them that you're dead serious about bringing them to your football club. Hard, hard balance to find. And again, like many things at Arsenal Football Club, we're repairing damage from years and years and years of incompetence, from years and years and years of bad decisions. So that's where I am on Neto. No bid at the moment. I don't think he's worth £50 million. Pounds. If a deal can be reached, great, happy days. But for me, the priority is still in midfield. And we're going to talk now about Yuri Tielemans. What is going on with Yuri Tielemans? Because this guy's name has been linked with Arsenal for God knows how long. And every time I pick up my phone in the morning and scroll through the latest headlines. Every time I glance at a newspaper, every time I go online, the first thing I see is Yuri Tielemans to Arsenal. And the big question that I keep banging on about is why the hell, if this was so straightforward, haven't Arsenal done it yet? Why the hell haven't Arsenal done it yet? Why the hell haven't Arsenal gone out there met Leicester's asking price and done this deal. We keep hearing that the personal terms won't be an issue, that broad personal terms, I think was the phrase used, have been agreed between Arsenal and Yuri Tielemans. But then yesterday, last night, after we recorded our show, we heard about some crazy asking prices. We heard, first of all, from one outlet that Leicester were looking for £50 million, pounds, which is absolutely bonkers. We heard from another outlet that they were looking for twenty-eight, uh, sorry, £38 million, pounds, which again... I think he's over the top. Arsenal should not be paying anything more than 25 million pounds, by my estimations, for Yuri Tielemans between now and when the window closes. His contract situation puts a buying club in a very good position. And if Leicester think that 25 million is not fair, well, what's going to happen later down the line when they end up with a big fat zero because Yuri Tielemans walks out for a free? Clearly, he wants to go. Clearly, that conversation has taken place. Clearly, that impacted Brendan Rodgers' decision to leave him out of the starting 11 at the weekend when he's undoubtedly one of their better footballers. But why aren't Arsenal doing this? The longer this goes on, the more I think that maybe we're not anywhere near as interested as people have reported. Maybe the journos on this one got it a little bit wrong. Again, not their fault. You're only as good as the information provided to you. Perhaps there is some credence to the idea that Arsenal are waiting right until the end of the window in order to try their luck. We've heard that they're happy to wait until next summer to do the deal for free. So maybe taking that into consideration, they are willing to let this go right down to the wire. They might try their luck in the last few days. And uh, and if they don't pull it off, fine, no sweat. If the player really wants the club, they can do it next season or We walk away altogether or Arsenal have someone else in mind. I I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, But it does. Look, I want Yuri Tielemans. I do want him at Arsenal. I think he'd be a great addition. But the fact as I keep saying that it's not done yet makes me think that it probably won't get done now. I'm not getting my hopes up on this one at this moment in time anyway. Uh, Let's uh, move on to another midfielder that was heavily, heavily linked with Arsenal earlier in the summer. Talk went a little bit quiet. It all went a little bit cold. Um, And now the player is being linked with a move to the Premier League only to the east side of London with West Ham United. And that is Leon's Lucas Paqueta. David Moyes this evening has confirmed that West Ham have made a bid for the player. Reports doing the rounds today said that Paqueta's people were desperate to get him a move to the Premier League between now and when the window closes. But they kind of suggested that West Ham were not the only option. West Ham were not the only club pursuing him. I think it's around about £35 million that West Ham are looking to pay for the player. I wonder if Leon will accept that. I wonder if a bigger club came in, if Leon's demands would all of a sudden creep up just a little bit more. I tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal were to try and do a Chelsea here and hijack this one at the last minute. If they're going to do it, they've got to do it quick. But we know he's a player on Edu's radar. We know he's a player that Edu likes. He's said as much in the past. £35 million, if that's what you can get him for, feels like a steal. And so if I were in charge of Arsenal Football Club, I may not necessarily be running to my laptop to type up an official offer at this stage, but I'd at the very least be keeping an eye on this one. I'd at the very least be on the phone, in communication with the players' representatives, asking to be kept informed. There's no way that Lucas Paqueta joins West Ham United if Arsenal are in the mix. There's no way West Ham fans won't like me saying that. They might think it's arrogant. They might think it's cocky. But there is no way that Lucas Paqueta joins West Ham United if Arsenal are in the hunt. Lots of people in the chat telling me that Sky Sports are reporting that the bid uh, from West Ham United has been rejected. It is the first bid. I expect them to go back. Um, so what are they going to go back with? 40 million if they offered 35 the first time around? Going to be interesting. But as I say, whatever the money is, He's a player I like. He's a player that Arsenal like. He's a player that has certainly been on Arsenal's radar. So I just think that Arsenal should be keeping informed on what is happening here. And if the opportunity presents itself to do a Chelsea and go in there right at the last minute after all the hard work has been done with the selling club and make it happen, then by all means, let's go there. Let's do it. I still think there will be movement. I still think Arsenal will bring somebody in between now and the end of the window. We've got a week pretty much, a little bit over a week, uh, just uh, eight days before the window closes um, so plenty of time. And as as I've said with a lot of these players that we're talking about um, as being on Arsenal's radar, I don't think personal terms will be an issue with them. And the reason they probably won't be an issue is because if you think about them, look, Pedro Neto, Is at Wolves, with all due respect to Wolves. He's not going to be getting paid an Arsenal first-teamer salary. Yuri Tielemans is at Leicester. Similar applies. Um, And and we keep hearing that personal terms there have already been uh, discussed, at least offline. Lucas Paqueta at Lyon is not going to get an Arsenal salary either. So personal terms don't feel like a problem for me. And I think actually that part of it could be thrashed out quite quickly if Arsenal did opt to make a last-minute move for Lucas Paqueta or Tielemans or Neto, but um, it's about getting them out of their clubs. And that's obviously the hardest bit. If he goes to West Ham, as I say, then that's because Arsenal weren't serious in their interest because there's no way a player chooses uh, West Ham over Arsenal right now, given the fact that we're on the up, given that they've had a difficult start to the season. and I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the level that they were over the last two campaigns. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, before we continue, got one more story uh, to bring to you, and then I'll take some of your questions uh, from the live chat. Just want to point you in the direction of the latest offering from our partners over at Football Prizes. What a prize uh, this is! A Dennis Burkamp signed and custom framed Arsenal shirt plus the opportunity to win one of 11 instant win prizes, which you can find listed on the webpage. The link is in the description below. Tickets to enter this are just £4.95. There are 299 tickets available with the competition ending on Tuesday 30th of August. However, there's no way a prize this good, this quality, stays on this site without everybody having purchased the tickets until Tuesday. So if you want in on this, you've got to get in on it quickly. But a big thank you to Football Prizes for their support of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. We'll just check in now. 202 of the 299 have already been sold. So you need to get moving quickly if you are interested in this one. Link is in the description. Football Prizes, your chance to win a Dennis Bergkamp signed and custom framed Arsenal shirt. The Iceman himself. Absolute legend. Okay, let's move on to another potential outgoing. Let's talk Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We probably should have sold this guy a couple of seasons ago. You know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but we had offers on the table. His career hasn't exactly blossomed since then. A couple of loan spells that I think were largely unsuccessful. Um, And here he is back at Arsenal, and uh, it's understood that Southampton are pretty keen on Maitland-Niles. But from the information I've had been told, read, Um, it seems like Southampton are interested in his ability to play as a fullback, but also as a centre midfielder. Versatility, again, being the thing that people are looking at when it comes to Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And I've said it for ages. I've said it for ages. Okay. Ainsley Maitland-Niles has to allow or, or let this dream, And maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The
1: theme of being this all-encompassing, dominating center midfielder just pass. And I mean that in the most respectful way. He's not good enough to play at the highest level in centre midfield, but his versatility is something that a lot of managers would love. And if he was to kind of change his attitude towards that and be more accepting of that and put the work rate and the effort in, then I would have happily kept him at Arsenal. I'd have been happy for him to stay. But I don't think he's displayed that. I don't think he's shown the right attitude. As I say, when it comes to his role within Arsenal Football Club, I think he's, I think he thinks he's bigger and better maybe than he is. And um, and ultimately, it's it's not going to work for him at Arsenal, so he's got to move on. Southampton feels like a decent destination for him. Don't know what we'd get given his contract situation, but he's one of those players on a list of a few still that we just need to get out of the door and we just need to move on from. So that's the latest on Ainsley maitland niles Could he end up at Southampton between now and the end of the transfer window? Okay, let's get some of your thoughts. Let's get some of your questions from the live chat. Start popping them in there. Sweet Munchkin says, Harry, did you hear what happened to Jez? I, I saw uh, a couple of tweets um, sort of briefly explaining what happened. I, I don't know the details. Um, I don't know Jez, but, you know, whatever his opinion is on, on Mikel Arteta, which is what i understand triggered this this attack which is absolutely bonkers nobody deserves that and um his wife was with him as well so I, i wish them both a really speedy recovery from any injuries that they've suffered um it's not right and i hope the people that did it get caught um you know we all have different opinions on the game and and that's part of what's beautiful about it we can vehemently disagree disagree with one another sometimes We can get a bit animated and maybe overpassionate, but it's ultimately only because we all want the very best for Arsenal Football Club. For that to happen is an absolute disgrace. And, um, you know, I've I've seen some horrible stuff on Twitter, people saying, oh, he deserved it. I saw one tweet saying that. I don't know the guy, but even if I thought that, you know, he was bang out of order, nobody deserves that. And I I don't, for the record, because I don't know him. I I don't know what his opinion is. I, I haven't heard him. Um, speaking on Mikel Arteta, so I, I couldn't really comment. But it, either way, to to be the subject of an attack like that, to be the victim of an attack like that is, is utterly out of order. So, um, wish him all the best and a speedy recovery, as I say. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Safi Majid, going back to my comment about if we're going to spend £50 million, pounds, it, it has to be spent in the right ways. Safi says we're better off spending 50 for Milinkovic-Savic. I don't know that you'd get Milinkovic-Savic out of Lazio now for 50 million pounds when you look at some of the other crazy prices that are being banded about. Anthony Gordon, 60 million pounds. The game's gone. The game is gone. 60 million pounds for Anthony Gordon. 90 plus million euros for Anthony of Ajax is what Manchester United are said to be looking to pay. Another player who I didn't even mention, actually which I probably should have because we were so strongly linked with him. Alexander Isak, in excess of 70 million euros. What the hell is going on? I remember in January when we were desperate for a strike, I remember doing a show, um, probably one of the most popular pods we ever did in terms of viewing numbers anyway, where I had the information that Arsenal had inquired about Alexander Isak and what it was going to take to get him out of the club. And we'd been told that it was it was going to be the release clause. 90 million euros or 75 million pounds there or thereabouts for Alexander Isak. And I said, look, I like the player. He's got potential. He's got a lot of things going for him. But if you're talking about that kind of money, you just can't do it. And you've just got to walk away from it. Um, Newcastle, we've kind of been waiting for them, haven't we, all summer to go, yep, we are the richest club in the world. What's your point? We're going to move like it. And uh, they're doing it now. And again... Like a lot of people, they're paying for potential. Can't say that Alexander Isak is worth that sort of money. But if it works, then nobody's going to be talking about that further down the line. So, yeah, there we are. Um, Ishe says, please explain the difference between loan with an option to buy and loan with an obligation to buy. Can the club change the figures in any of these or are both locked? No, so... An option to buy means that as a as the club who takes a player on loan, at the end of that loan spell, you have the option that if you meet the set price, the, the agreed price that was agreed between the two clubs prior to the loan taking place, you can purchase that player. So let's say, let's use Nicolas Pepe as an example. Um, let's say Nice and Arsenal agree that the buy option will be at 25 million pounds. If after the loan spell, Nice meet that £25 million valuation, the player is theirs. Arsenal can't then go back and say, well, he was worth £25 million then, but now we think he's worth £30 million, so you better cough up that extra £5 million to bridge the gap. That can't happen. If it's an option to buy, the agreement in terms of the price will be in place prior to the loan taking place. And as long as the purchasing club meet that and fulfil that, they'll be able to get that deal done. An obligation to buy means essentially that you've already sold the player, only they have to pay for him at the end of that loan spell. And sometimes you get different clauses in there. So you might get someone that says, we've got an obligation to buy if we stay up. So for example, Bournemouth, again, just using an example, might bring in a player uh, on loan and say, if this player helps us stay up, we will be obliged to buy him. Let's do that deal and we'll pay for him later on. A lot of the time, that's just team's deferring the payment until a later date Uh, but they are different yeah Uh, what else have I got Steve uh, says any update on Bayern's future not at the moment but we do know that Barcelona are now interested and we do know that although his heart was set on a return to Real Betis if that can't happen Bayern would be open to joining Barcelona the club where it all began for him so yeah Um Again, nothing's happened yet. No movement yet. Nothing concrete on it. I do suspect that by the time um, we get to the last few days, Arsenal might have to do something like what I described earlier, which is terminate that contract, come to some sort of parting of the ways agreement with Bellerin in order for him to go and get the move that I think he deserves. If I'm being honest, he's been a loyal servant throughout all of this. He's not made any noise. He's not caused any controversy. He's not throwing his toys out the pram so um yeah I think I think he does move on, whether it be Barcelona or Real Betis though, or even somebody else in Spain remains to be seen uh Jid says, with the amount of versatility in the squad and the reality that not many teams make more than five squad changes between cup and league games, what would we do with two other players for any position um I, I kind of I don't really get the second part of the question. What would we do with two other players for any position? What you're saying is that the players that we've got are so versatile that we almost don't need two players in every position. Correct me if I'm kind of taking that in the wrong way. But you're going to get injuries. You're going to get fatigue. You want to be able to leave people out so that they can recover in the way that we just weren't able to do at points last season. Talked about it time and time again, and I'm not meaning to pick on him, but I just think he's a great example. But Kayo Saka in the second half of the season at times was sublime, but at times he was running on empty. He was running on fumes and we never had the quality nor the personnel really, at least in terms of who Mikel Arteta could trust, to to take him out the firing line. He didn't trust Nicolas Pepe to do that clearly. Otherwise, it should have and would have happened a lot more. I don't think you can have too much depth No, let let me rephrase that. You can have too much depth because you can have too many players who are just on the periphery, not getting games and ultimately being a bit of a distraction in and around the changing room, not being totally engaged. But we do need a bit more depth in certain areas. I I really do believe that. As I've said, it's not just about numbers. It's about quality. You lose Thomas Partey now, El Elneny comes in. Is he anywhere near as good? Absolutely not. Is Lokonga as good? Not at this stage in his career and Niles is an option at the moment, being still at the club. Is he anywhere near that level? No, he's not. But we, I've just named you three people that can come into the team and play in that position. You can even put Ben White in that position. So we've got numbers in, in those areas and numbers that can shift around, but then you get injuries in other places. And then that makes that rotation of players even more difficult and more complicated. You need quality reinforcements. And I still think there are a couple of areas in this team where we don't quite have them. Central midfield is the big, big one for me. But also, and and again, I think he's going to have a good season. I think he's going to be impactful. I think he's going to be very useful. But Eddie Nketiah to Gabriel Jesus, that is a big drop-off as well, if we lose Gabriel Jesus. So you sometimes need, well, you always need quality, and I would argue that you need quality over quantity, but you do need a bit of both in this league, and given the number of fronts on which we're going to be fighting this season. Um, let's see uh, what's going on. Lynn says, Harry, um, why, when you were talking about Neto having a long Premier League, uh, contract, uh, let's, sorry, let me start that again. When you were talking about Neto having a long contract and being PL proven and a quality player, you say that 50 million is high, but in comparison to other players that are not PL proven, it looks cheap. (laughs) I, I get what you're saying. I really, really do. But it's more so for me about priorities than it is the actual amount of money that we would spend on Pedro Neto. I had this issue last summer. Do you remember last summer? Those of you that were listeners, um, those of you that were viewers at the time would have remembered me not having a meltdown, but being annoyed at the fact that we were about to spend 25 million on Aaron Ramsdale when we had a gaping hole in the middle of the park. It was never about Aaron Ramsdale and what he was worth. It was always about what it stops us doing potentially. Anthony at 90 million euros is effing madness. It's madness. There's no guarantee he comes and delivers. There's no guarantee he fails either. I'm not saying that, but 90 million euros is crazy. Alexander Isak, go and have a look at Alexander Isak's goal record. It's poor. It's really poor. And so that's why I think the fee is crazy. Anthony Gordon, 60 million pounds. Why? Why is he worth 60 million pounds? Just because some of the other valuations are outrageous, it doesn't mean that we need to get sucked in to paying outrageous money for people. I think, you know, there's an element of desperation with some of these clubs that we're talking about. Chelsea are desperate to, to get their squad a little bit more balanced after a lot of, issues at the back end of last season due to Roman Abramovich and then the issues they had to contend with there, some clear shortcomings in their group at the moment need addressing. I don't for the life of me understand why Anthony Gordon is a priority, but anyway, it is what it is. But Chelsea are desperate. Everton are desperate as well. And so the two combining drives the price up. I don't think that when we see other teams go absolutely batshit crazy in the transfer market we should just go well if they're paying that for him then actually this is all right part of why we are where we are is because we've done that in the past part of where we are part of why we are where we are is because we've not been shrewd in the transfer market we need to identify gems before they turn in, into you know top players we need to identify rocks before they become diamonds however you want to put it we need to be ahead of the curve a little bit. And that kind of smart recruitment is what's going to get us to where we need to be. I'm not saying that Neto's a bad player. I've, I've never said that. And, and I know you know that, Lynn, based on your comment. But I just, I just think when you look at what we've spent this summer already, it feels unrealistic to me that Arsenal are going to go and spend another £50 million pounds or so on a player that I am not convinced even gets into our starting eleven when everyone's available. Just my opinion. There was a comment earlier on, which I highlighted because I wanted to touch on, from Sports Genius, who said, we bought Fabio Vieira for £14 million off of potential. We did. But you can take a couple of gambles like that here and there. I think Arsenal have done their homework on Fabio Vieira, and I don't think they believe it to be a gamble. But you can't, you know, In our position, you can't take two or three of those gambles in a single summer. That's kind of my point here, because we've done it already. It makes me feel like we're probably not going to take that risk again, unless Wolves come down to something that's a bit more reasonable and a bit more in line with what Arsenal would be willing to play for someone who, as I say, isn't necessarily guaranteed to start week in, week out. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Swart Mobile says, do you think there's still hope for Arsenal to sign Lucas Paqueta? I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, a little bit earlier in the show that I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal came in at the last minute, but I'm not, I wouldn't go as far as saying I am expecting it to happen. Is there hope? I think there's probably a little bit of hope though. Yeah. Um... Deflected Mind says, Harry, fair play to you. You've been confident on this project since day one. But like a few, I was critical of Arteta in certain moments. Now I feel a bit guilty to enjoy our success. You shouldn't feel guilty because everybody's entitled to an opinion. And at times, even the people that have backed him, if they're being true, would admit that they found it hard to understand certain things and found certain moments really difficult to get past. I certainly did. I've had a few wobbles with Mikel Arteta. Ultimately, I've calmed myself back down pretty sharpish after each of those, but I'd be lying if I said I hadn't had wobbles. There were a couple of points last season where I was sitting there scratching my head going, is this going to work? The Europa League semi-final defeat against Villarreal the season prior was another one of those points for me. So everybody's had wobbles and that's absolutely fine. You're an Arsenal fan. You've always got their best interests at heart. You're entitled to enjoy any success as much as anybody else uh dv says man's contradicted himself let me know why uh in the chat uh Uh, jared says would you rather pay 35 million for asensio or 45 million for netto i don't think that netto is worth 45 million and i don't think that asensio is worth anywhere near 35 million so my answer is i'd rather not move for any of them let me get that right let me rephrase that. I don't mind us moving for Neto. I just don't think it makes the most sense at the moment. If we've got the money, do it. I'm not going to be against it. But I just don't think it makes the most sense given other areas that I think need, need to be addressed first and foremost. Um, Marcus Asensio. I don't want us anywhere near him. Marco Asensio. I'm not interested. Not interested. Um, never lived up to the hype for me. And uh, Yeah. Just a player, not a player that I'd I'd like to see us go on a limb to sign, if I'm being honest. Uh, Let me take one more. Uh, Mahmoud Ahmed says, you say Neto ain't done it in the Prem. Last season, he was injured. However, the season before, when he was fit and only 19 or 20, he had 11 goals and assists in a team that scored 36 goals, which is 30% of their goals. Okay. 11 goals and assists, is that groundbreaking? I know people always talk about Wolves don't score goals, Wolves are this, Wolves are that. <laughs> you, you you still have a responsibility as a player to make things happen, to, to provide outputs. Ultimately, if you go and spend £50 million pounds on a winger, you want outputs. You go and spend £50 million pounds on a winger, you want somebody who's going to come in and immediately elevate the level. If he comes in, he elevates the level in the sense of there's more competition on that right-hand side. But the point I'm trying to make, and the point I've made all along, is at no point in his career has he shown that he can produce more outputs than, for example, a Bukayo Saka or an Emile Smith-Rowe. And one of the things I had a problem with last season was the fact that I thought that those guys needed to do more that those guys needed to give us more and that our over-reliance on young players would cost us come the end of the season. And I think, I don't think it was the main reason we didn't get the top four. I'm not for a second saying that, but I do think it contributed. The fact that they went through patches where they were really hot and patches where they were really not. And and that is a problem. And so if I was in charge of Arsenal Football Club and I was going to sanction after another big summer of spending, another £50 million deal, I would want someone who is going to assure me that my attack is going to improve straight away. I would want someone who is going to give me the outputs that I just can't expect from a group of young players still developing, i.e. Rafinha. That's why Rafinha was one I was really behind. And even if we had to pay over the odds, obviously it was out of our hands in the end because of his desire to join Barcelona. But had we had gone the extra mile in terms of an extra £10 million on Rafinha, I would have been okay with that. And I think his outputs would have justified that. You can't guarantee that Pedro Neto's at the beginning will. Again, not saying I don't want him, not saying he's a bad player. All I am saying is we need to think long and hard about whether this is the right thing to do if Wolves are going to dig their heels in and demand what I believe to be a really ridiculous price for Pedro Neto. we would be paying for his potential, It's up to Arsenal whether they think that there's enough potential there to warrant taking that risk. But I would argue that based on what we've seen so far, you can't really make an opinion or a decision on that potential one way or the other. Of course, you have to factor in that he plays for Wolves. Of course, you have to factor in that he's not playing for a top, top team. But you need to assess this. You need to work it out. For example... Is Pedro Neto's output going to be more beneficial to the team than bringing in a midfielder who can replace Thomas Partey, maybe not to the same level, but to a closer level than someone like El Elneny can or Lokonga can? What's more valuable to Arsenal over the course of the season? I would argue that we've got options wide. We've got Saka, we've got Martinelli, we've got Smith-Rowe who can play there. Jesus can play there if you need him to. And Ketia can start from one of those positions. So I would argue that actually there's more value in bringing in a midfielder in the event that we lose a key midfielder because we really suffered from that at the back end of last season. It even led to us changing our shape and system. I would argue that there's more value in that. In an ideal world, we will, we want both are we going to get both done between now and the window closing? I don't think so. It's all about priorities for me. It's not that I don't like Pedro Neto. It's not that I don't think he's a good player, but it is all about priorities. And he, for me, personally, is not the priority. Like him, good player, but he's not the priority. Okay, I am going to leave it there. Uh, We've been going for about 46, 47 minutes. Remember, check out Football Prizes. They've got Dennis Burkamp. Signed and custom framed Arsenal shirt up for grabs, plus the opportunity to win one of 11 instant win prizes. We thank them as always for their support of the podcast. You can find the link in the description below. Check out this week's Simply Serie A uh, really good show, really good deep dive into Juventus and Dusan Vlavic, who was very, very heavily linked with a move to the Gunners as recently as January. Do check that out. Please do uh, leave a like on the video because we've only, we, we haven't even got 200 on the board, but there's well over 500 of you watching. So what is going on there? Let's get that up to at minimum 250 by the time the stream ends. Like, 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 subscribe to the channel if you're new as we continue to push towards the next milestone. And if you're listening on audio, please do subscribe and leave us a review. I'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves, guys. All the best.